What's up, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the Darn Good Leadership Podcast. We all struggle with leading effectively, and this show is going to help you face those challenges. You're going to get ideas, inspiration, and practical advice you can take action on today to become a darn good leader. I'm your host, Emily Holting, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about becoming a better leader with KYP practices. So what in the world is KYP? Well, you may have heard of the acronym KYC, which stands for Know Your Customer or Know Your Clients. KYP is what I lovingly refer to as Know Your People. If you're looking to be an effective leader, one that is respected and one that your people trust, and if you want to lead in a work environment where people are excited to collaborate and have high psychological safety, there is no better foundation and quite simply no substitution without really understanding your people. Now, I'm not just talking about their names or roles, but of course that helps too. More about what makes them tick, what's important to them, what do they value both in and outside of work. A recent McKinsey study shows that supporting and knowing your employees accounts for 89% of overall leadership effectiveness. So I want you to think about your own work relationships. How much time are you currently dedicating and what practices have you habitualized around KYP? Meaning, how well do you know your people? Is there a person or a team that you're either struggling with or they're just not working effectively together? My guess, much of that struggle likely comes from people just not understanding one another. So today, I'm going to share with you the three most powerful practices for building KYP with your individuals, with your teams, and with your communities. But first, a story. Years ago, when I moved from Missouri to California, I had to do one of those things that we all dread doing when we move a certain distance, and that is finding a new hairstylist. But I did it. I found the stylist. Her name was Frankie. And every time I would go to the salon, it was such a wonderful experience. And yes, my hair did look pretty dang good, but it was the conversation and the small but meaningful gestures that Frankie did that always got me super excited to go back. Every time I visited Frankie, she would greet me with a beverage. Now that sounds nice, but the better part of it was it wasn't just any beverage. She got to know me so well that depending on the time of day, she would know exactly what I would want. If I came in for an early morning appointment, she would greet me with a black coffee with a little bit of cream. If I came in for an appointment in the middle of the day, it was sparkling water. And if it was on the weekend, well, she would greet me with a nice cold glass of Prosecco, which is my favorite. She really took the time to get to know me, and that meant something. She would also casually ask me questions about my life, things that I brought up from my last appointment. Things like, hey, what's going on with your new job at Boeing? Are you liking your new boss? And how did that Big Bear trip go? Did you end up liking snowboarding? Spoiler alert, I wanted to like snowboarding, but I fell a lot and was horrible at it. But I did like Frankie's attention to detail. And this was before Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. So she wasn't looking these things up. Frankie genuinely cared about me and all of her clients. So one day, I did finally learn Frankie's trade secret. She kept a journal at work. And after each customer visit, she would take that journal out and she would write down one to three important details that they had shared. And she would write down any hair preferences or hair observations she had made in order to make sure her clients were always looking and feeling their very best. And then before that client would come in the next time, 
she would take out that journal and she'd review those notes. Easy, but incredibly powerful. She had found a practice and had carved out time and energy to know her people. All right, so let's bring this right on back to you and your own relationships at work with your individuals. These are your relationships like the one you have with your employees, your boss, your peers. This is like the relationship Frankie and I had. So the first, most powerful practice for building KYP is at the individual level, and it's having consistent one-on-ones. Now, do you have those in place? Do you have consistent one-on-ones with your employees? Because that's really critical. Do you have them with your boss? And what about any important individuals that you need to be strengthening ties with? If you don't, you should. And you should make that a priority today to figure out how you can get those slated on your calendar. A recent HBR article reported that employees and managers who don't have one-on-one meetings are four times as likely to be disengaged. I personally believe you should have a minimum of at least one one one-on-one a week with your employees and with your boss. That could be 15 minutes, 30, an hour. You have to find what works for you and they need to be routined into your workplace practices. Now that you've got them in the calendar, well, what are you going to do in these one-on-ones? Here, you've got two objectives, to know your people both professionally and personally. Now, when you address the personal side, we are not going to go about this like you would on a blind date. So this isn't where you're going to share your deepest, darkest secrets and desires. No, no, no. But you can use the start and the end of any one-on-one as a perfect opportunity to ask the more casual questions. So something as simple as, have you watched any good shows or read any good books lately? Do you have any fun plans coming up this weekend? Keep it light and see what they share. The most important thing is letting your people's responses to your questions guide and help set boundaries on what you should further ask. So let me give you a quick example of what I'm talking about here. I have employees who sit in North America who are very open and they share quite a bit with me about their families and their personal life and it's lovely and wonderful. And then I have employees who sit in Europe and they're a little bit more reserved culturally about sharing those types of things. However, They're very open about talking about hobbies, interests, travel. So the questions I ask are just different depending on who I'm speaking to. This goes back again to knowing your people. And this includes cultural differences, personal preferences, and unique personality traits. Okay, so let's go on to the other side, the professional side. This is about the work at hand, expectation, career goals, how they work best, what their strongest and weakest skill sets are, How do they like to receive feedback and what do they need from you to be successful? So I always think it's really wonderful if you can find organic ways to bring these things into your one-on-ones. You don't want to bombard people so they feel like they're back on their very first job interview. That's not the intention here. So you want to build these out and figure out a way for yourself to have a priority list of what you need to know given what's going on at work and given what that relationship needs. There will be people you interact with who know themselves very well. They will know exactly what they want out of their career and what they need from you. And this is awesome when you have this because they come in and they're like, this is where I want to be. One year out, three years out, five years out. This is what I need from you. But more often than not, I have found that when I ask people questions like this, one of two things happens. Either they're just not quite sure. They're still trying to figure out the answer to those questions. And that's part of getting to know them and building that relationship. Or they tell me one thing. And I actually discover and observe something completely different. So let me give you an example in this one. I had a coworker from several years ago 
who claimed he loved receiving feedback and was very open to it, big or small. Whatever I observe, please share it back with him immediately. So I did. And I did it just once because I found in reality, it was the furthest thing from the truth. He was only open to feedback if it was insanely positive. Even if there was a glimmer of improvement in it, he was not interested. Another example I had was an employee who felt their weakest area was in presenting. But by happenstance, I was in a meeting where he was presenting and was completely blown away. He was absolutely captivating. Presenting ended up being his superpower, but he didn't even realize how good he was. So yes, you do need to listen to your people, but you also need to be mindful of what you observe because they might have a different perception about themselves than what you are actually seeing in the workplace. Knowing these two things of what you hear and what you observe has really helped me navigate my individual relationships much easier. The more these individuals realize that you have a genuine interest in setting them up for success and that you care about them as a person in their career, the more radical candor you can have with sharing your own feedback and your own observations. You have to build into this, but this is what creates real trust, meaningful relationship, and allows you to truly know someone at the individual level. So the most powerful practice for knowing people at the individual level is consistent one-on-ones. Now let's talk about building KYP for your teams that you lead. The most powerful practice for building KYP at the team level is having consistent retrospectives. For any team you lead, I personally feel retrospectives is a must. I recommend holding them at least once a quarter. And if you're not familiar with what retrospectives are, hang tight. I will be doing a future podcast on this topic because it is very near and dear to my heart. And retrospectives should not be reserved for just scrum teams or R&D types. They can be for any group. It doesn't matter what the work is. Retrospectives are an opportunity to inspect and adapt with your team to get to know them better. What's working? What's not? What can we improve? Those are the questions, but you can mix them up in different ways. You can ask them in different formats. And by asking these questions to your team, you are listening and learning about what your team needs and where they need your support and what actions you need to take to better set them up for success. And it's also an opportunity to observe. And this is where I personally see the real value of retrospectives for me as a leader. Who on your team is vocal? Who on your team is a little bit more timid? How much are they willing to share with one another versus what they're sharing with you? What's the tone in which they're talking to their team members? And finally, as you're observing the team as a whole, what do you think the level of psychological safety is here? Now, whether you have a team that has very high trust or a team that has very low trust, KYP at the team level, just as at the individual level, is something that requires you as the leader to consistently work at. It is not something you can just set and forget. So even with high trust teams, they can only stay high trust if you continue to foster these types of things with them. If you're looking to build off of retrospectives, here are my top four tips to further knowing your teams. Tip number one to further know your teams, have the whole team take a personality test. Now you've probably heard of things like Meyer Briggs and you could pay for that whole kit and caboodle personality overview, and they come back with a very robust report and analysis. Or if you want a more budget-friendly option, they also have a lot of great free tools and tests you can take online. And my team just took one, and it was still incredibly insightful. It gave us an opportunity to reflect on ourselves and how are we similar or different to each other. 
It showed our collective strengths. It showed our collective weaknesses. It showed where we have individuals who are higher or more interested in certain areas and vice versa. And overall, it gave me a peek into what intrinsically motivates my people. So I highly recommend a personality test. Tip two to further know your teams is team building. Now, I think it's critical to do team building at least once a quarter. And these can be lightweight things. You don't have to do anything lavish. If you're doing things in person, it can be going to lunch together, going to escape rooms, bowling, hiking, axe throwing, mini golf. The list goes on and on. If you're doing more virtual team building, you can still do a virtual lunch. There's also something a lot of people love called Jackbox TV, which is a really fun online game. And if you haven't done it, it's a huge hit with any group I've ever worked with. So different opportunities for team building, but just a great way for you to connect more personally with your teams. Tip three to further know your teams is having the right cadence for bringing your team together in person. So since the pandemic, most companies have gone from fully in-person, face-to-face to some sort of hybrid model, if not fully virtual format. And this can make it even more important to figure out and carve out time for when you're going to bring your people together in person. This is going to be different for all groups, depending on location, work, the budget, the type of role your team has, the company, if you're sales, marketing, IT, etc. It's not going to look the same. There is no one size fits all. For teams that are fully remote, it shouldn't mean that they never meet in person. I believe there is something that in-person face-to-face does that virtual will never be able to replace. However, if you get that in-person cadence right, then you can be even more effective in the virtual world. But without having that foundation, it's really hard for the team to understand each other and for you as a leader to help them reach their full potential. For example, I have an incredibly strong team. Half of them sit in Europe, half of them sit in North America. And for the first time, we recently all came together in person. This was amazing because half the team had never met each other in real life before. Being in person allowed us to have much higher engagement with each other because one, we were in the same room, but two, we were in the same time zone. So typically when we meet, it's virtual. It's end of day for one group. They're like winding down after a very long day. And for us in North America, it's the start. It's very early morning. Heavy caffeine is required. So the engagement levels were just through the roof. It was really cool. And we had time for social interaction outside the office. So we did some fun things. And that helps strengthen the overall team relationship. HubSpot did a recent study that showed 99% of people said face-to-face communication is essential for long-term business relationships. And so it's an investment in these groups that you need to work effectively together. And I can say after this event, when we went back into our virtual environments, I see for myself how much better I'm able to lead this group of wonderful people. I know them better. I understand them better. I get their quirks and their personality traits. And it's made me lead in a more effective way for them. So finding that in-person cadence for your team is tip three. All right. Tip four to further know your teams is icebreakers. I know this may sound silly. I'm okay with that. But I am a huge believer in icebreakers. I will do a full episode on it because that is how strongly I feel about them. They're lightweight, but they can also be incredibly impactful in a positive way and a practice that is just so easy to embed in any ceremony or meeting, whether it's asynchronous or synchronous. I typically carve out, if I'm doing a 30-minute meeting, five minutes for an icebreaker. If I have a 60-minute meeting, 10 minutes for an icebreaker. But be intentional whatever time you're giving to it. 
So you could have a rating scale of one to 10 or a quick one word answer or have people show some sort of image or emoji. But basically, you put the question out there and you ask people to respond to whatever the topic is at hand. Let me give you a quick example of this. So there's this icebreaker and it's this visual of six different goat faces. They all have different expressions of these goats and it's really fun and silly. And one goat is a very tired looking goat and one goat's a happy goat and one goat's got like his tongue out. One looks absolutely crazy, et cetera, et cetera. So the icebreaker is you pick your goat vibe for that day. One of the people had chosen a goat face that was the tired goat. And when it came their time to share, they said a couple things that I realized, huh, mental note, I need to tag up with that person. And when I did in our next one-on-one, I found this person was feeling really overwhelmed, very burnt out. And it was because of that 10-minute silly goat exercise that I was now able to have a much-needed conversation and help them prioritize and figure out what we can move off their plate and what we can move to someone else. Icebreakers are also a really fun way to learn about other people's favorites. So we'll do an icebreaker on what's your favorite song, color of food, beverage, hobbies, And the good thing about having these favorites is when it comes time to do something special for someone, like you want to make them feel seen, acknowledged, value, you now know their favorites. They love this color. They love this song. They love this food. You know that they're into this hobby. And so if you're trying to craft a gift for them or craft something meaningful for them, you can do that now. And that shows how much you care about them because it's based off of how well you know them. There are some really fantastic opportunities to learn more about your people and find out where you need to lean in for your people through icebreakers. Highly recommend them. So let's sum all that up for you. If you're looking to go beyond the practice of retrospectives, the four tips to further know your teams is one, a personality test, two, team building, three, finding the right cadence for when your team should come together in person, and four, icebreakers. Now, the most powerful practice for building KYP at the community level is having consistent employee pulse surveys. This is what your community is interested in. It's what they care about. It's where they have concerns. And it's giving you a baseline on how they feel. So when you have these big things and events that might happen in your company, you can take the survey and you can know how people are reacting to it because you've got that baseline. If you don't already have an employee poll survey going on at your company, the very first thing you should do is ask yourself, do you have a bandwidth or does someone at your company have a bandwidth to review and take action on the feedback from your people you're pulsing? If you don't, please don't start this practice. Okay, it's such a great practice, but only if you have the time and bandwidth. And that's because there's no quicker way for people to lose faith than asking them to give their input and then never looking at it or taking action on it. So to make this practice easier, I would suggest start small. Start with like one to five critical questions to baseline on and only survey 10% of the organization at a time. So that way, when you're reviewing feedback, it's a much smaller cue that you have to look through. There are a lot of great employee engagement tools out there. You can also do things super lightweight through other survey tools and polls. Just ensure you're committed to the practice and the intention behind it before you invest in a tool or you start the practice. I will say, I think this is the hardest of the three to start. But the higher up you are in the organization and the more your company scales and the more global you are and the more removed you are from your employee base, it's more essential that you start this. Employee poll surveys give you that data to make sound decisions for your community. 
It tells you engagement levels and it helps you understand if action plans are working or if you need to make adjustments. So let's recap. Being a better leader requires embedding habitual KYP practices. That's knowing your people, really understanding them. And the three most powerful practices for KYP is having consistent one-on-ones with individuals, leading consistent retrospectives with your teams, and supporting consistent employee pulse surveys for communities or your entire company. The underlying theme between all of them is consistency. Dedicated routines, repeat, repeat, repeat. Thank you so much for your time today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it helps you wherever you are in your leadership journey. I also welcome you back next week as new episodes will be dropping every Tuesday. Be bold, be bright, be a darn good leader. See you next time. Thank you.